I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 131. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this evening we're going to continue our story, The Miraculous Picture, taken from Nathaniel Hawthorne's retelling of Ovid's classic tale. Um, If you missed part one, make sure that you listen to episode 130 so that we can catch you up to speed. So let's continue with the miraculous picture. As Bacchus had said, there was but a scanty supper for two hungry travelers. In the middle of the table was the remnant of a brown loaf with a piece of cheese on one side of it and a dish of honeycomb on the other. There was a pretty good bunch of grapes for each of the guests. A moderately sized earthen pitcher, nearly full of milk, stood at a corner of the board, and when Bacchus had filled two bowls and set them for the strangers, only a little milk remained in the bottom of the pitcher. Alas, it is a very sad business when a bountiful heart finds itself pinched and squeezed among narrow circumstances. Poor Bacchus kept wishing that she might starve for a week to come if it were possible, by so doing to provide these hungry folks a more plentiful supper. And since the supper was so exceedingly small, she could not help wishing that their appetites had not been quite so large. Why, at their very first sitting down, the travelers both drank off all the milk in their two bowls at a draught. A little more milk, kind Mother Bacchus, if you please. The day has been hot, and I'm much athirst, said Quicksilver. Now, my dear people, answered Bacchus in great confusion, I'm so sorry and ashamed, but the truth is there's hardly a drop more milk in the pitcher. Oh, husband, husband, why didn't we go without our supper? Why, it appears to me, cried Quicksilver, starting up from the table and taking the pitcher by the handle, It really appears to me that matters are not quite so bad as you represent them. Here is certainly more milk in the pitcher. So saying, and to the vast astonishment of Bacchus, he proceeded to fill not only his own bowl, but his companions likewise from the pitcher that was supposed to be almost empty. The good woman could scarcely believe her eyes. She had certainly poured out nearly all the milk and had peeped in afterwards and seen the bottom of the pitcher as she set it down upon the table. But I am old, thought Bacchus herself, and apt to be forgetful. I suppose I must have made a mistake. At all events, the pitcher cannot help being empty now after filling the bowl twice over. What excellent milk, observed Quicksilver after quaffing the contents of the second bowl. Excuse me, my kind hostess, but I must really ask you for a little more. Now, Bacchus had seen as plainly as she could see anything that Quicksilver had turned the pitcher upside down and consequently had poured out every drop of milk in filling the last bowl. Of course, there could not possibly be any left. However, in order to let him know precisely how the case was, she lifted the pitcher and made a gesture as if pouring milk into Quicksilver's bowl but without the remotest idea that any milk would stream forth. What was her surprise, therefore, when such an abundant cascade 
fell bubbling into the bowl that it was immediately filled to the brim and overflowed upon the table. The two snakes that were twisted about Quicksilver's staff, but neither Baucus nor Philemon happened to observe this circumstance, stretched out their heads and began to lap up the spilt milk. And then what a delicious fragrance the milk had. It seemed as if Philemon's only cow must have pastured that day on the richest herbage that could be found anywhere in the world. I only wish that each of you, my beloved little souls, could have a bowl of such nice milk at supper time. And now a slice of your brown loaf, Mother Baucus, said Quicksilver, and a little of that honey. Baucus cut him a slice accordingly, and though the loaf, when she and her husband ate of it, had been rather too dry and crusty to be palatable, it was now as light and moist as if but a few hours out of the oven. Tasting a crumb which had fallen on the table, she found it more delicious than bread ever was before, and she could hardly believe that it was a loaf of her own kneading and baking. Yet what other loaf could it possibly be? But, oh, the honey. I may just as well let it alone without trying to describe how exquisitely it smelt and looked. It colored was that of the purest and most transparent gold, and it had the odor of a thousand flowers, but of such flowers as never grew in an earthly garden, and to seek which the bees must have flown high above the clouds. The wonder is that after alighting on a flower bed of so delicious a fragrance and a mortal bloom, they should have been content to fly down again to their hive in Philemon's garden. Never was such honey tasted, seen, or smelt. The perfume floated around the kitchen and made it so delightful that had you closed your eyes, you would have instantly have forgotten the low ceiling and smoky walls and have fancied yourself in an arbor with celestial honeysuckles creeping over it. Although good Mother Baucus was a simple old dame, she could not but think that there was something rather out of the common way in all that had been going on. So after helping the guests to bread and honey and laying a bunch of grapes by each of their plates, she sat down by Philemon and told him what she had seen in a whisper. Did you ever hear the like? asked she. No, I never did, answered Philemon with a smile. And I rather think, my dear old wife, you have been walking about in a sort of a dream. If I had poured out the milk, I should have seen through the business at once. There happened to be a little more in the pitcher than you thought, that is all. Oh, husband, said Baucus, say what you will. These are very uncommon people. Well, well, replied Philemon, still smiling. Perhaps they are. They certainly do look as if they'd seen better days, and I'm heartily glad to see them making so comfortable a supper. Each of the guests had now taken his bunch of grapes upon his plate. Baucus, who rubbed her eyes in order to see them more clearly, was of opinion that the clusters had grown larger and richer, and that each separate grape seemed to be on the point of bursting with ripe juice. It was entirely a mystery to her how such grapes could ever have been produced from the old stunted vine that climbed against the cottage wall. 
very admirable grapes, these, observed Quicksilver, as he swallowed one after another without apparently diminishing his cluster. Pray, my good host, whence did you gather them? From my own vine, answered Philemon. You may see one of its branches twisting across the window yonder. But wife and I never thought the grapes very fine ones. Ha! I never tasted better, said the guest. Another cup of this delicious milk, if you please, and I shall then have supped better than a prince. This time, old Philemon bestirred himself and took up the pitcher, for he was curious to discover whether there was any reality in the marvels which Baucus had whispered to him. He knew that his good old wife was incapable of falsehood and that she was seldom mistaken in what she supposed to be true, but this was so very singular a case that he wanted to see into it with his own eyes. On taking up the pitcher, therefore, he slyly peeped into it and was fully satisfied that it contained not so much as a single drop. All at once, however, he beheld a little white fountain which gushed up from the bottom of the pitcher and speedily filled it to the brim with foaming and deliciously fragrant milk. It was lucky that Philemon, in his surprise, did not drop the miraculous pitcher from his hand. Who are you, wonder-working strangers, cried he, even more bewildered than his wife had been. Your guests, my good Philemon, and your friends, replied the elder traveler, in his mild, deep voice that had something at once sweet and awe-inspiring in it. Give me likewise a cup of the milk, and may your pitcher never be empty for kind Bacchus and yourself any more than for the needy wayfarer. The supper being over, the strangers requested to be shown to their place of repose. The old people would gladly have talked to them a little longer and have expressed the wonder which they felt and their delight at finding the poor and meager supper proved so much better and more abundant than they hoped. But the elder traveler had inspired them with such reverence that they dared not ask him any questions. And, why, and when Philemon drew Quicksilver aside and inquired how under the sun a fountain of milk could have got into an old earthen pitcher, this later personage pointed to his staff. There is the whole mystery of the affair, quotes Quicksilver, and if you can make it out, I'll thank you to let me know. I can't tell what to make of my staff. It's always playing such odd tricks as this, sometimes getting me a supper and quite as often stealing it away. If I had any faith in such nonsense, I should say the stick was bewitched. He said no more but looked so slyly in their faces that they rather fancied he was laughing at them. The magic staff went hopping at his heels as Quicksilver quitted the room. When left alone, the good old couple spent some little time in conversation about the events of the evening, and then they lay down on the floor and fell fast asleep. They had given up their sleeping room to the guests and had no other bed for themselves save these planks, which I wish had been as soft as their own hearts. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Without a vision, the people perish. Many years ago, friends asked me to write a complimentary seminar to my literature-based approach to education. I did that, and I called it Begin with the End in Mind. I called it that 
title because every child needs to be raised with a long view in mind. We can't just live day by day as we educate our kids because we fall off the turnip truck on one side or the other. So the two seminars make a complete whole. On Sunday afternoon, October 16th, I will be in Loma Linda, California, doing my Begin with the End in Mind seminar. Whether your children are itty-bitty or they're driving, you need to hear this seminar over and over again. The Bible says that Jesus set his face like flint as he was heading toward Jerusalem. And I want you to keep that picture in mind as you focus on your children's character and spiritual development. I want you to have a clear vision so you're not blown by every wind that comes through town. After attending this seminar, you will have amazing handouts that I've created and a beautiful selection of rich theological books that will be available for purchase that day. I want you to please pray about coming to this seminar. It's been years since I've given it in Southern California, and this is your opportunity. You can attend my seminars in either order. It doesn't matter which. So please make October 16th a priority to join us. Go to my website, caroljoyside.com, and register for our upcoming seminar. Begin with the end in mind. Blessings. The old man and his wife were stirring betimes in the morning, and the strangers likewise arose with the sun and made their preparations to depart. Philemon hospitably entreated them to remain a little longer, until Baucus could milk the cow and bake a cake upon the hearth, and perhaps find them a few fresh eggs for breakfast. The guests, however, seemed to think it better to accomplish a good part of their journey before the heat of the day should come on. They therefore persisted in setting out immediately, but asked Philemon and Baucus to walk forth with them a short distance and show them the road which they were to take. So they all four issued from the cottage, chatting together like old friends. It was very remarkable indeed. How familiar! From familiar, the old couple insensibly grew with the elder traveler, and how their good and simple spirits melted into his even as two drops of water would melt into the illimitable ocean. And as for Quicksilver, with his keen, quick, laughing wits, he appeared to discover every little thought that but peeped into their minds before they suspected it themselves. They sometimes wished, it is true, that he had not been quite so quick-witted, and also that he would fling away his staff, which looked so mysteriously mischievous, with the snakes always writhing about it. But then again, Quicksilver showed himself so very good-humored that they would have been rejoiced to keep him in their cottage, staff, snakes, and all, every day and the whole day long. "'Ah, me! Well a day!' exclaimed Philemon when they had walked a little way from their door. "'If our neighbors only knew what a blessed thing it is to show hospitality to strangers, they would tie up all their dogs and never allow their children to fling another stone. "'It is a shame and a sin for them to behave so. That it is!' cried good old Baucus vehemently. "'And I mean to go this every day and tell some of them what naughty people they are. 
I fear, remarked Quicksilver, slyly smiling, that you will find none of them at home. The elder traveler's brow just then assumed such a grave, stern, and awful grandeur, yet serene withal, that neither Bacchus nor Philemon dared to speak a word. They gazed reverently into his face as if they had been gazing at the sky. When men do not feel toward the humblest stranger as if he were a brother, said the traveler, in tones so deep that they sounded like those of an organ, they are unworthy to exist on earth, which was created as the abode of a great human brotherhood. And by the by, my dear old people, cried Quicksilver with the liveliest look of fun and mischief in his eyes, where is this same village that you talk about? On which side of us does it lie? Methinks I do not see it hereabouts. Philemon and his wife turned toward the valley, where at sunset, only the day before, they had seen the meadows, the houses, the gardens, the clumps of trees, the wide green margin street with children playing in it, and all the tokens of business, enjoyment, and prosperity. But what was their astonishment? There was no longer any appearance of a village. Even the fertile vale and the hollow of which it lay had ceased to have existence. In its stead, they beheld the broad, blue surface of a lake, which filled the great basin of the valley from brim to brim and reflected the surrounding hills in its bosom with as tranquil an image as if it had been there ever since the creation of the world. For an instant, the lake remained perfectly smooth. Then a little breeze sprang up and caused the water to dance, glitter, and sparkle in the early sunbeams and to dash with a pleasant rippling murmur against the hither shore. The lake seemed so strangely familiar that the old couple were greatly perplexed and felt as if they could only have been dreaming about a village, having lain there. But the next moment, they remembered the vanished dwellings and the faces and characters of the inhabitants far too distinctly for a dream. The village had been there yesterday and now was gone. Alas, cried these kind-hearted old people, what has become of our poor neighbors? They exist no longer as men and women, said the elder traveler in his grand and deep voice, while a roll of thunder seemed to echo it at a distance. There was neither use nor beauty in such a life as theirs, for they never softened or sweetened the hard lot of mortality by the exercise of kindly affections between man and man. They retained no image of the better life in their bosoms. Therefore, the lake that was of old has spread itself forth again to reflect the sky. And as for those foolish people, said Quicksilver with his mischievous smile, they are all transformed to fishes. They needed but little change, for they were already a scaly sort of rascals and the coldest-blooded beings in existence. So, kind Mother Baucus. Whenever you or your husband has an appetite for a dish of broiled trout, he can throw in a line and pull out half a dozen of your old neighbors. Ugh, cried Bacchus, shuddering. I would not for the world put one of them on the gridiron. No, added Philemon, making a wry face. We could never relish them. As for you, good Philemon, continued the elder, the elder traveler, and you, kind Bacchus, you, with your scanty means, have mingled so much heartfelt hospitality with your entertainment of the homeless stranger 
that the milk became an inexhaustible fount of nectar, and the brown loaf and the honey were ambrosia. Thus the divinities have feasted at your board off the same viands that supply their banquets on Olympus. You have done well, my dear old friends. Wherefore, request whatever favor you have most at heart, and it is granted. Philemon and Baucus looked at one another, and then I know not which of the two it was who spoke, but that one uttered the desire of both their hearts. Let us live together while we live, and leave the world at the same instant when we die, for we have always loved one another. Be it so, replied the stranger with majestic kindness. Now look toward your cottage. They did so. But what was their surprise on beholding a tall edifice of white marble with a wide open portal occupying the spot where their humble residence had so lately stood? There is your home, said the stranger, beneficently smiling on them both. Exercise your hospitality in yonder palace as freely as in the poor hovel to which you welcomed us last evening. The old folks fell on their knees to thank him, but behold, neither he nor Quicksilver was there. So Philemon and Baucus took up their residence in the marble palace and spent their time with vast satisfaction to themselves in making everybody jolly and comfortable who happened to pass that way. The milk pitcher, I must not forget to say, retained its marvelous quality of being never empty when it was desirable to have it full. Whenever an honest, good-humored, and free-hearted guest took a draught from this pitcher, he invariably found it the sweetest and most invigorating fluid that ever ran down his throat. But if a cross and disagreeable curmudgeon happened to sip, he was pretty certain to twist his visage into a hard knot and pronounce it a pitcher of sour milk. Thus the old couple lived in their palace a great, great while and grew older and older and very old indeed. At length, however, there came a summer morning when Philemon and Baucus failed to make their appearances on other mornings with one hospitable smile overspreading both their pleasant faces to invite the guests of overnight to breakfast. The guests searched everywhere from top to bottom of the spacious palace and all to no purpose. But after a great deal of perplexity, they espied in front of the portal two venerable trees which nobody could remember to have seen there the day before. Yet there they stood with their roots fastened deep into the soil and a huge breadth of foliage overshadowing the whole front of the edifice. One was an oak and the other a linden tree. Their boughs, it was strange and beautiful to see, were entwined together and embraced one another so that each tree seemed to live in the other tree's bosom much more than in its own. While the guests were marveling how these trees that must have required at least a century to grow could have come to be so tall and venerable in a single night, a breeze sprang up and set their intermingled boughs astir. And then there was a deep, broad murmur in the air, as if the two mysterious trees were speaking. I am old Philemon, murmured the oak, And I am old Baucus, murmured the linden tree. But as the breeze grew stronger, the trees both spoke at once. Philemon, Baucus, Baucus, Philemon. 
as if one were both and both were one, and talking together in the depths of their mutual heart. It was plain enough to perceive that the good old couple had renewed their age and were now to spend a quiet and delightful hundred years or so, Philemon as an oak and Bacchus as a linden tree. And oh, what a hospitable shade did they fling around with them. Whenever a wayfarer paused beneath it, he heard a pleasant whisper of the leaves above his head and wondered how the sound should so much resemble words like these, Welcome, welcome, dear traveler, welcome. And some kind soul that knew what would have pleased old Bacchus and old Philemon best built a circular seat around both their trunks, where for a great while afterwards the weary and the hungry and the thirsty used to repose themselves and quaff milk abundantly out of the miraculous pitcher. And I wish for all our sakes that we had the pitcher here now. Thank you so much for listening to me and joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com, to subscribe to our weekly email and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.